we were discussing last week about the um, prayers of certain individuals who are very impactful. How Hashem responded to them immediately. Mars has a story about Rabbi Shulman Levi that um, he met Eliyonavi. He asked Eliyonavi, where are you coming from? Eliyonavi said, I, I was busy because every morning it's my job to wake up Avram Avinu, wash his hands, and pray with Avram. And then I have to wake up Yitzchak, wash his hands and daven with him. And I have to wake up Yaakov Avinu and wash his hands and daven with him. So it took take me a long time to get to get ready for uh, took me a long time to get ready for um, for our meeting. I had to pray with Avram and Yaakov first. So Elyonavi asked him. I'm sorry, Shuman Levi asked Elyonavi. So why not wake them all together? Why do you wake, why do you wake them up all individually? Why don't you wake them up at the same time? So um, so Elyonavi said because if they, if they all dive them together, what's going to happen? Mashiach will come. It's not yet the time for Mashiach to come. They pray together, instantly Mashiach's going to come. So Shubin Levi asked him, is there anyone alive today that could do the same thing as Arav Mitzvah Yaakov? He said, yeah, Rabbi Chia and his children, if they pray together, immediate impact. So he gets Rabbi Chia and his children to daven together. They get to the words, Mashi Baruch Hashem causes the wind to blow, and the wind blows. They say, Meri Dageshem, the rain falls, and the rain falls. When we get to the words, resurrects the dead, all of a sudden there's this tumult in the world, their prayers are interrupted, they can't continue. So there are unique individuals whose prayers are answered immediately. One of those individuals is in this week's Torah portion. We read about Eliezer trying to find a match for Rivka. Right, Chayasara. Very good, very good. Thank you. Actually, there's some communities that they read this Torah portion whenever there is a chasana, whenever there is a wedding, they add, they add this, this section in. Anyway, so Eliezer meets the wife for Yitzchak this week. How does he meet her? He prays to Hashem. And as he's praying to Hashem, before he finishes speaking, right away, Rivka comes out and, um, and she is the one destined to marry Yitzchak. So there are two other individuals we know that the, the, the Talmud says that have the same kind of power. When King Solomon built the temple, he said to Hashem, um, I've built for you a home to last forever. And um, Is it Is it possible indeed that Hashem will rest on the earth the uh, heavens, the highest heavens can contain you. Can this home possibly contain you? And he's asking Hashem's presence to fill the house that he built. And as soon as he makes his prayer, all of a sudden the divine presence fills the first temple. And another person that the, the Torah says this happened to was Moshe Rabbeinu. When Korach contested Moshe Rabbeinu's prophecy, Korach said, whatever you're saying is, it's just coming from yourself. You wanted yourself to be the leader. You wanted your brother to be the Kohen Gadol. So it's all, it's all made up. So Moshe Rabbeinu asks Hashem that the earth should, um, that they, Hashem should respond to them immediately and the earth immediately opens up and swallows them. So it was also immediate response. So there are many tzaddikim in history, many, many holy people. And the question is, why were these three people uniquely given this 
a distinction that Hashem answered them right away? And why were, was it these three prayers specifically that Hashem chose to answer in this way? What, what, what's unique about um, these events? Certainly, certainly Moshe said many other prayers, and so did Shalom Melech, and so did Eliezer. So why is it these three prayers specifically were the ones that had this unique impact? And Marcus is thinking, and, what, and how can I get L'chaim, uh, L'chaim? I can have the same impact, right? Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget number one, man. So, uh, so, so before before we go further, let, let's just understand something. There's a, a a verse we say in our prayers every day. Ad mehera yard zvore. Yishach dvore v'yamsim ad mehera yard zvore. We say Hashem sends His words. That's one pasuk. Hashem sends His words. Hashem sends his word to the earth. And then we say, his word goes swiftly. So Chassidus explains the two halves of this verse, the two phrases in this verse, are talking about two kinds of divine flow. One kind of divine flow is this. Hashem decides something to happen to Rosh Hashanah. It's decided. It's agreed. It's accepted. It's signed. It's written. It's sealed. But when will it happen? So it's Hashem sends his words to the earth. It goes down from world to world. And in each world, there's not another... So you have to go through customs and the border guards of each world until it reaches this world. It goes step by step. That's why Gemara says you have to pray every day even though Hashem already, already destined for you the amount of mileage you have for the whole year. But you want to withdraw the mileage today. You've got to dive in today to bring down the mileage today. So to, to, to access your points. So, okay... That's one way. Hashem sends His words to the earth. It goes down from world to world and eventually reaching this world. There's another way, that His word goes swiftly, that immediately as His decision happens in heaven, immediately there's an impact on earth. And when does that happen? So, space and time are connected to each other. That means that, simply, when there are two places that are close to each other, you don't need any time lapse to get from one place to another because they're right next to each other. When they're farther from each other, then you need more time to get from one place to another. So when we're talking about an impactful prayer that causes an immediate result, we're talking about something that um, is very close to Hashem. Let's look at the Ramah for a second. In the Laws of Tshuva, um, the Ramah says laws of tshuva in chapter 7. He talks about the greatness of Abal Tshuva. He says, yesterday this guy was abominable. This guy was despised. He uses many other adjectives. And then today he is beloved and accepted. He is called a friend of Hashem, a beloved of Hashem. How great the Ramah says is tshuva. And then in the next halacha, the Ramah says, and by the way, this guy, tsoik v'nenemiyad. As soon as he turns to Hashem, Hashem answers him immediately. Baal Shuvah gets an immediate response. It seems like the Ramam is saying the same thing. He's saying, talking about the greatness of a Baal Shuvah. And yet, um, uh, he divides his accolades for the one who returns to Hashem into two different halachas. And only in the second one does he talk about the impact of his prayers. So what's the difference between halacha, halacha Zayin and the following halacha? Why in one does he speak about how great the Baal Shuvah is, but he stops short of saying his prayers are answered immediately, and then in the next halacha he says his prayers are answered immediately. What's the difference? So if you look carefully, the difference is this. Again, in order to cause an immediate impact, you have to be close by. It takes time to travel if you're far away. So the first halacha talks about the power of Shuvah bringing you close to Hashem. 
The second halacha talks about being attached to Hashem, being mudik bok being a cleaving to the Shechina. If you're cleaving to the Shechina, if you're attached to the Shechina, then just like physically or in space, you are one with Hashem. So therefore, there's also a, a the, the divine flow that comes to you is also immediate because you're one with Him. So in order to um, bring the prayer from the response to the prayer from point A to point B, it doesn't take any time because point A and point B are the same place. You're one with the Shechin. So this is also the explanation of these three unique individuals and why their prayers were answered so quickly. Each of these three events in Moshe's life, in Eliezer's life, in Shlomo's life, were all about a scenario where there was a convergence with the Shechin. Let's start, let's start with Shlomo Melech. Shlomo Melech Chaim. Shlomo Melech, what is he davening for? He is davening that Hashem's presence should fill the home that he built. So he's asking for revelation in the physical world. He's asking that the Shechina should be here in the physical world in a very vivid way. He's asking for the, for the heavens to kiss the earth. That's what he's asking for. There's a discussion between the different, different um, actually halachists um, about the, the way Hashem's presence fills the base of Migdash. One explanation is, is that it's sort of like the intellect passes through um, your, your um, hand and you put your ideas on paper. So your hand isn't really, isn't really uh, a, a convert, isn't coalescing. Is that, the, is that a word in English, coalescing? Can yes. we add that one? Okay. Your hand isn't really coalescing with the intellect. It doesn't come one with the intellect. It's just that the ideas are passing through your head. However, your brain... Your brain is actually a vehicle for your intellect. Your brain actually becomes one with your intellect. Your mind and your brain become one. Your, the, your brain is housing your mind. Your mind and your brain, your, your brain thinks. Not just your brain is a place through which your mind thinks thoughts. Your brain itself is thinking because your mind is, it's not like when you have an automatic, uh, like you have a, a, a remote control car where you're just, the, the, you're just pushing the car along with electric current. Your brain itself is thinking. It's not that your brain is being pushed along with your with your mind, it's your, your brain is thinking. Similarly, in the base of English, there's a discussion exactly how does the divine presence rest in the base of English? Is it that Hashem's presence is, 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 is um, just using that space to, for revelation or is there an actual change in the space? And one of the things we see an actual change in the space, as Yaakov said, when he came to the place of the base of English, the place itself is different. One of the, we see that the, the place of the ark took up space and then took up space at the same time. That means that the ark itself was not just a conduit through people to experience something on the outside of the ark, and, but, but the place of the ark itself was one with the divine light that was in it. There was something of the divine light in the space itself. The space itself is holy. Not just a conduit for holiness, but it itself is holy. It's like the brain. In Hasidus, the terms are mavinous lapsus. Is it passing through it or is it becoming one with it? So in the Mesa English, uniquely, we see how the space itself is holy. It takes up space. It doesn't take up space at the same time. Why? Because... Because Hashem's presence is there, and therefore the space is, is beyond space. So there's a clear convergence of, of, of the world and what's higher than the world. And that's why his prayers are immediately responded to, because his prayers about the sh- coming one with Hashem. Similar thing with Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu's prayer was about his prophecy, that is, to ratify his prophecy. Prophecy is very different to um, DC Comics, Marvel Comics, Lahavnil special powers, I know the future. It's not a power to know the future. 
The idea of prophecy is, as Ramam says, is that the prophet is becoming one with Hashem, and therefore Hashem is speaking through his throat. There, there, is, there is a convergence of the human being in this world, and God is speaking through him, whereas the Altar says in the first chapter, in the second, um, in the second chapter, Sheikh Al Amunah. Amunah is my niece. Huh? Amunah is my niece. Wow. Nice. What is your niece? So, um, how old is she? Uh, he, she is 10. 10. It was in chapter 10. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was is in chapter 2, where um, the author says, when we say the words God spoke, it's not like in the movies, God speaks as a voice. What does it mean that God speaks to a prophet? What it means is that Hashem's, Hashem's the letters of the Aleph base, that Hashem is revealing Himself to the prophet with, they become one with the prophet's mind, they go into the prophet's words, and Hashem is now, His, his light, His presence, His words, are in the prophet's mind and, and, mind and, and words. He is, he is, there's a revelation. Hashem speaks means that the Shekhinah, is revealed in the prophet's mind. It, it, there's a convergence of heaven and earth in the prophet speaking. That's again why when, when um, Moshe Rabbeinu prays to Hashem, immediately there's a response. Why is there immediate response? Because his prayer is about there being a, a no gap between Hashem and the world. His prayer is about prophecy. And therefore there's a challenge to his prophecy and the Hashem's response is swift and immediate. The earth immediately opens up because prophecy is also something which is connected to this oneness with Hashem. As we see in the Shema, look in the Shema, what does it say in the Shema? Moshe Rabbeinu says, I will give you rain in its, in, in its season. Moshe doesn't give us rain, Hashem gives us rain. Why does he say, I will give you rain? What he means is, is that Hashem is, he, what he means, Hashem is speaking to Moshe's throat. So therefore Hashem says, I will give you rain. It's not Moshe giving, Hashem gives us rain. And a similar thing also with Eliezer and Yitzhak and Rivka. Eliezer, Yitzhak and Rivka, Eliezer makes a marriage in Yitzhak and Rivka, Kabbalah explains that Yitzchak and Rivka, their marriage was a preparation for the giving of the Torah. Their marriage wasn't just a marriage of two individuals, but their marriage was a convergence of Ma and Ban, two different kinds of divine energy. Um, just on the surface, Yitzchak, after he was offered, as we learned yesterday on the Akedah, he was offered by, by Avram as a sacrifice to Hashem, but just by him design, being designated and consecrated as a sacrifice, he had a different status. He wasn't allowed to leave Israel. He was he was an, he was a he became like a a, a sacrifice. He became godly. And um, and Rivka, on the other hand, she is outside of Israel. She has this, this terrible father. She is a rose, as the Talmud says, among thorns. She is a holy special person. She's a rose, but she's among thorns. She is kind of like a divine spark of Hashem, which is trapped in some physical thing. When you make a bracha and use that divine energy for something good, you're elevating, you're freeing the divine spark and bringing it back to holiness. So the marriage of Yitzhak and Rivka is, is the connection between the two names of Hashem, Havaya and Elikim, Ma, Uban. There is a divine energy which is open and clear, pure. That's, that's seen in, in the power of, of, of a tzaddik, that he was just a, like Moshe Rabbein, was transparent to, to his divine core. And then there is another kind of divine energy which comes to the world through a concealment, a creation. Creation is Hashem conceals himself as the name, the name for, for nature. Hateva, as America equivalent to Alakim, 
Hashem hides himself in nature. It's also a godly energy, but it's more hidden. So Yitzchak marrying Rivka is a preparation for the giving of the Torah. What happens to the giving of the Torah? Giving the Torah enables us, us to do mitzvahs. We're able to connect the physical and the spiritual through a mitzvah. What is a mitzvah? The mitzvah physical or mitzvah spiritual? No? Both. A mitzvah is Hashem suspends the, the, the borders of the spiritual and the physical and they converge because there's something infinite in a mitzvah that allows there to be a, 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 a fusion of heaven and earth in the mitzvah. As Hashem said when He gave us a Torah, Hashem said the, the, the supernal realms will descend on the lower realms and the lower realms will ascend to the, to the higher realms. What fueled that event? What prepared that event? The first thing that happened in this world that prepared for that event was the marriage of Yitzhak and Rivka. Yitzhak represents the divine presence and Rivka represents the, uh, the world. And there's a fusion between the world and, the, and divinity. That's what, that's what their marriage is. And therefore, Eliezer, who is a servant of Avram, and the truth is, even from a Lachic perspective, the, Gemara, the Rashba says, commenting on the Gemara, the Gemara says, Whatever a servant acquires, his master acquires. The Rashba says, the way it works is, it's not like if a servant acquires something, he acquires it first, and by his act of acquisition, he thereby also bequeaths it to you, and it becomes yours after he owns it. The Rashba says it's more than that. The Rashba says, the moment he acquires it, it's yours. The servant is not an entity to himself. So therefore, in Eliezer's prayers for the marriage, since, since this is about the convergence of heaven and earth, there's an immediate response. So, let, so that's, that explains these three events. Everyone follow so far? Okay. So, Nebus made this comment. This was a big thing. This was a, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously not saying the same words that Nebus said, but this is a very, this, this is a klal I think the, what the words that I've used. This is, this is something that was all-encompassing. The marriage of Yitzhak and Rivka was a big deal. This is about everything that, that has to happen in this world was encapsulated in their marriage because their marriage is a convergence of, uh, is, is bringing the heaven and earth close to each other. It's about the spiritual and physical coming one. It's about the soul and the body becoming one. It's about the purpose of Shem and creation, Mashiach coming. That's what their marriage is about. And therefore, Hashem's response is immediate. So he says, how much more so if a Jew is in outside of Israel? And he's not, not in such a holy space. Or even if he's in Israel, but he's in time, time of the exile. And the concealment of godliness. And the concealment is kafum mechupal. The concealment is, as Balshamta said, is, is in such a way they don't even realize they're in a state of concealment because the darkness is so thick. And a Jew is is trying to do something good. For sure, Hashem answers the Jew immediately. For sure, Hashem listens to the Jew and helps the Jew right away. And then actually added something interesting. He said, and that's why it says in the Torah, Eliezer didn't finish speaking. He started, didn't finish. Why does the Torah emphasize he started speaking? Because it says in the Gemara, a person would rather have one measure. Of, of their own wheat, the nine measures of, their, of someone else's. Hashem wants us to put our, 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 our finger in. Hashem wants us to have some ownership of our achievement. Hashem wants us to speak. Hashem wants us to ask. But the truth is that Hashem answers right away. You're trying to do something good, for instance, for sure, that the Abish listens to you right away. But in another discourse, the Abish, um connected this with a, um, a verse in Tehillim, I think in chapter 68. Geshem Magnanimous rain, Hashem will, will send down to you. The Rebbe said that when a person's prayer is magnanimous, it's not for themselves. In other words, like, like, like in the same theme of this discourse, when you're, trying to, when you're trying to do something good, but if you're really thinking about trying to do something good, not about what you'll gain from it, it's really when you totally forget about yourself to, to the point that the prayer is about what Hashem wants, and you're th- as you're thinking about, 
then, then that causes this response. Obviously, we're human beings, and the is not asking us to be less than human, or more than human, because we have to be human. But I think, I think with, one thing that helps me um, connect with this concept is um, we learned many times about, about Hannah and, and Eli. Famously, we learned how when Eli, when Eli sees Hannah in the base of English praying to Hashem to have a child, Eli suspects her of her being drunk. And she says, I'm not drunk. I'm trying to pour my heart out to Hashem. And Eli blesses her. And she has a child. And she says, uh, and she brings her child to, to, to Hashem. And, and he becomes the famous prophet Shmuel. The question is, why didn't... Eli, Eli is not just a regular guy. He's not just a Tom... He, he knows what's going on upstairs. How could he suspect her of being drunk? How could... Any, any person, you see them when someone pouring their heart in prayer... Okay, it wasn't. It was a new kind of prayer. That's true, but it was. It was. She's pouring her heart out. Someone like him should have realized. You know, someone like him should have should have suspected something deeper. The, I know it says in the. Um, I don't remember where. Huh? Kolitz nefesh. Interesting. Interesting. There, there is um, and one commentary who says he, he, looked, he didn't know, really know what to do and he looked in the, into his breastplate and his breastplate it had the letters Kof, Shin, Reish, Hey spelled out. So he thought, oh, that spells Shikora. She's drunk. Off with your head. Stop. But really, those words also spell Kisara. She was actually like Sara. At that point, she was, she was the same level as Sara Yimenu. And her prayers were totally selfless. Like Sara, when she prayed for her child, it was a totally selfless thing. That Hashem's Hashem should, should um, have his will fulfilled in this world. So the Rebbe said that we've learned from the story, we have to ask ourselves the question of Eli, we have to answer the answer of Han. Yes, we're human beings. Yes, whatever we want is because our, our animal soul also wants good things. But we have to challenge ourselves with the question of Eli and say, do, do you really deserve this? Do you really want this? Is this really a good thing? Is this only selfish? Is there anything, is there anything benef- is this just about you? So when you ask the question, is it just about you, that it's not meant for you to say, well, a little bit it is. It's, it's supposed to, you're supposed to allow yourself to give voice to the part of yourself which says, no, it's not just about me. To let, let your chana speak too. What did chana say? I want a child, I want to dedicate my child to serve Hashem. He's going to do something special for Hashem. We're Jewish. As, as I mentioned on Shabbos, I think that there's a lot of exposure of soul in this time of, this time of history. I think we're all feeling soul. So we're allowed to feel soul. We're allowed to give voice to our soul. You're allowed to ask yourself the question of Eli, do I really mean it? Is this only about me? But you have to respond, have to respond with soul and say, yes, I do mean it. There's a part of me that wants a, a shidduch, that wants gezun, that wants parnasa, because for Hashem's ways. You're allowed to give voice to that. And I'm telling you that it's not just you're allowed to, but you have to. Because it, it, it's a game changer for Hashem's response. When you give voice to your neshama, you should. Hashem, I don't want this just for myself. I want this because this is something good for you. That you what do you want, Hashem? Ask yourself the question. Summon the Chana in you by asking the question. But then let Chana speak. Let your, let your selflessness speak too. The Torah says this. Zvulun should go out to um, business with joy. Why should go out to business with joy? Because you can make a lot of money. No. Zvulun should go out to business with joy because Zvulun is doing a mission for Hashem. And therefore, he's to go out to, to doing his business with great joy. He's on a mission. So a Jew has to feel that they're, going, they're on a mission for Hashem and they have to give voice to that part of themselves. And when you do, what's the response? 
Terem kilo daber. The Abish responds to you immediately. Geshem nadavish, the magnanimous rain, with a tremendous response. And uh, we should see it happen immediately. We all need Mashiach to come. That's the bottom line. We should see it happen. Any, any questions or comments? Uh, and it, does anyone say anything about discipline? If someone's trying to improve their discipline within this Torah context, that's a tangential question. But you said any question. <laughs> Thank you. I'm inspired by your discipline. Wow. Seriously. Thank you. Seriously. Um... I'm going to send you something about it. Something very, very simple everybody says about discipline is that consistency, which is actually very late to this week's Torah portion, which is not which, which is another subject about this Torah portion. Because Sarah was her whole life was was the same. One point that it makes is that when you find yourself fluctuating about something, don't 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 say oh I'm, I forget about this I'm a failure at this thing. Hashem wants those 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 fluctuations are very meaningful to him. Those 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 those, those, those good times you have and those things you're challenged by are more meaningful than the than the consistent the things you're consistent at. Those like I'm lousy at let's say waking up in the morning. Let's say so the times you get up in the morning, that that's a big thing. But I want to say something else, which was um, Jebus says a, a simple system is not to go not to do too much at once. And to um, and and to uh, slowly, in- incrementally, um, build things up. Slowly, incrementally, build build things up. When I grow up, I'm try to I'm start doing that. It's a shame. I'm just. I know you're every day six thirty, and I'm just another one.